We're back once again with Dr. Sam Storms. If you were with this last episode, uh, you were hearing some intriguing things that really inspired me, and I hope it did you as well, about the power of the Holy Spirit and the function of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit in the church today. You don't want to miss this, so so stay tuned. And um, welcome, Dr. Storms. We're glad you're here with us today again. My pleasure. Going back to your personal story, what changed in your life when you transitioned from cessationist to continuationist? Well, I think the thing that changed more than anything else was how I pray and the fervency, frequency, passion, anticipation, expectancy when I pray. Um, I suddenly realized that, you know, this was another major discovery that helped me, that Jesus performed his miracles, even taught and exercised authority over the demonic through the power of the Holy Spirit in him. Remember in Matthew 12, he said, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, and of course, point is, wow, the Holy Spirit. I mean, Luke 5, 17, the power of the Lord was present with Jesus to heal. It's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 38, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That is the Holy Spirit who lives in me. I mean, that was an eye-opening revelation. When I suddenly saw these texts of scripture, I, you and I didn't get, you know, second team Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit Junior, you know, a subordinate spirit, the very same spirit who indwelt and empowered Jesus now indwells and empowers us. So that realization together with um, the, the confidence that if I would just step out in prayer, that God might bestow a gift on me that would enable me to bring healing to a person. See, I think gifts of healings, it's not something you have in your back pocket. That's something that God providentially and sovereignly bestows when it's his will to he will to heal. We can't will to heal on our own. Same thing with prophecy. Um, I think everybody potentially can prophesy, but that's dependent upon the spirit. So I was suddenly emboldened, not in the sense of I became presumptuous and arrogant, but I felt a greater boldness and confidence in praying for people and ministering to people, uh, knowing that these that God might well choose to operate through me by means of these spiritual gifts. So that changed radically. And of course, on top of all that, maybe even before it and even more foundational, it was just a renewed sense of intimacy with the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is not the force of Star Wars. It's not this impersonal energy that radiates the universe. Holy Spirit is a thinking, feeling, de decision-making person. And I wanted to enter into as much of an intimate relationship with him as I do with Jesus and the Father. And that really grew massively when I came to understand how the Spirit operates through spiritual gifts. Mm. And you've seen then in your life, uh, in your church, your ministry, um, you're reading the book of Acts, you're reading the Gospels, and you're seeing signs and wonders and words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues and interpretation. You're seeing those things in your life and in your church now, then? That, that's a, an active part of your life? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we um, we pray for the sick um, after every service at Bridgeway. We have trained prayer ministers, and uh, we anoint them with oil. We pray for the sick. We have opportunities at the end of every service for prophetic words to be given, words of knowledge. Uh, these have been incredibly powerful and accurate. Not always 100%, but we've got a few people who I don't think they've missed it yet, but they might. That's okay. They're human. They're fallible. Um, 
So yes, we operate uh, as much as God is pleased to do so. I mean, we can't, we can't control the Holy Spirit. You can't push him. He wants to be pursued, but he doesn't want to be pushed. <laughs> and there's a difference. So we pursue the Spirit. We pray. We cry out. We provide opportunities. We facilitate the exercise of these gifts. We, we encourage people to say, we want you to realize it's safe. You, you can step out and take a risk and maybe you miss it. You're not going to be rebuked. You're not going to be called out. Uh, we might sit down and process with you later and say, all right, let's see what we can learn from your experience. But um, you have to provide space for these things to happen. Um, and you have to have people who are fervently praying for God to manifest his power in these ways. So, yeah, we do that regularly at Bridgeway. It's a part of all of our services, it's especially part of our small group ministry. That's where we think the gifts operate most uh, efficiently is in the gathering of small groups. Yeah, that's good news. I've been encouraged lately to see more and more people uh, kind of revisiting maybe John Wimber's power evangelism, going back to seeing the gifts of signs and wonders accompanying uh, the evangelistic ministry, you know, so for so long I've, I've, you know, kind of gone with the four spiritual laws approach to, to, to witnessing to a, whether it be a waitress or, uh, you know, somebody on the bus that I'm sitting next to. And, and I'm finding more now that the spiritual gifts are really, particularly here in America where, you know, everything's kind of up, up in the head, uh, head knowledge and, and to move beyond that and touch somebody's heart through the spiritual gifts, uh, a word of knowledge about maybe a physical ailment they might be having or a marriage situation, you know, and you, you got to take a risk and do that. But I've seen that, uh, that, that happen. I think that's really encouraging something that's seems to be refreshed in the body of Christ right now. Oh, absolutely. It really is. Yeah. Um, I knew John Wimber well, he was a dear friend. Um, and I've greatly benefited by the way, just to give people some context, they don't know who he is. This was the primary reason why Jack Deere was fired from Dallas Seminary. It's because he had become friends with John Wimber. And um, Wimber was not held in high regard at Dallas at that time. Um, and John would probably say, you know, I'm probably to blame a little bit for that personally. But um, John was pretty much the founder of the Vineyard Movement. He died in 1997. His, his prayer model is one that we employ here. Uh, it's just a, a practical tool to help us pray more effectively for the sick. Uh, I outline it and discuss it in my book, Practicing the Power, uh, for people who might want to take a look at that. Um, but yeah, John has been very helpful. His book, Power Healing and Power Evangelism, have both been very, very good and very, very influential. Yeah, and I think that that had a big impact when he was alive preaching that. And then in, in my estimation, humble estimation, it seemed to dissipate a bit. Uh, we got back to more almost like, uh, you know, just going through the motions a little bit. But I, I do see something in this young generation right now. Uh, my son's in the ministry and, you know, there's this hunger for uh, God, right. God to move in might and power to break through intellectual. My son's an apologist, but, you know, he wants to see that power of God released. And that's a uh, that comes, you know, you, you, you can't. Uh, resist the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit or grieve the Holy Spirit and expect to see the kind of things that, that, that we see. That's right. Yeah. Um, That's right. That's so true. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, going to, I'm going to kind of put you on the, in the, in the pastoral care role. I'm, I'm one of your parishioners. I'm coming in to see you today. Uh, I got a problem. I need you to, to counsel me on. I, I read the gospels and I read the book of Acts and I see the signs and wonders I see the Peter Shadow, uh, you know, healing the sick as he walks down the street, uh, you know, and 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 I and I long for that, but I'm and I'm mm -hmm. be real honest with you, I get disappointed. 
Like I'm just not. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing barely a fraction of what I what I read. I want to. I want to get it all. I you know. I want to live in that kind of power of the Holy Spirit. Is there? What advice would you have for me? Is it is it something I'm doing wrong? Is it uh, the culture? Sometimes mm-hmm. I wonder if it's okay. I live in America. If I lived in Zambia, maybe I'd see more miracles take place. Uh, what's your take on that? How could you help me? First of all, um, I do believe that the things you just described are more frequent and prevalent than most people know. Uh, my good friend Craig Keener has written two large volumes, simple title, Miracles. Uh, it's about 1,200 pages in which he documents throughout the course of church history and around the globe, literally several thousand miracles. Um, blind eyes being opened, deaf ears, um, people actually, a couple of dozen resurrections from the dead, all these confirmed and documented. He's releasing a, another volume that should be out any day now. I think it's called Miracles Today. Uh, so when people say they don't see these things, I, my first question is, well, what are you looking at? If, if you're living within the confines of a cessationist church, that not only does not pray for these things, but does not pursue them and does not even believe them should they occur, um, how wide and how broad and how open-eyed is your experience? Um, so that's the first thing I'd say. Second thing I'd say is this. It's understandable that, and, and fully to be expected, that what we see in the New Testament is not necessarily seen at the same level now. I mean, do we do anything today as well as they did in the first century? The answer is no. Nobody plants churches with the effectiveness that Paul did. Nobody teaches the way he did. Um, there are numerous, uh, you know, think of the evangelists in the New Testament, like Philip and others. Um, do, do, we, do we exercise any gift at the same level of effectiveness and power and transformation that the early church did? The answer to that is probably not. What does that mean for us then? What should we do? Just say, well, we're not going to do it at all because we don't do it as well as they do? No, I think it just means we press in all the more. Uh, all that does for me is, now, I'm not suggesting that I'm above disappointment. I, I'm disappointed too. I want to see everybody healed. I want to see everybody delivered from demonic oppression. I, I want to see all the same things. Um, but I will not allow my disappointment to justify my disobedience to scripture. Wow. That's good. That's a very important principle. I, I had to overcome a a, a big obstacle and that was it. I I finally found myself one day and I feel like the Lord impressed it on my heart. He said, Sam, are you going to, are you going to justify or rationalize not doing what my word tells you to do simply because your experience hasn't lived up to it? And I thought, well, I can't do that. So what's the solution? The solution is I am going to obey God's word. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to do it fervently, faithfully, as much as I possibly can, hopefully for the glory of Jesus. And whatever results come of that, I'll attribute to the sovereignty of God. Um, evangelicals, that's that's all of us. We tend to justify um, our reluctance to do certain things because we're afraid of disappointment. We're afraid of looking foolish. Uh, we're afraid of being associated with those who've done it poorly. You know, there's, I've articulated the 11th commandment of Bible church evangelicalism. It's thou shalt not do at all what others do poorly. <laughs> Boy, do we ever obey that commandment. Um, and I, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do that. 
I, I'm, I resolved many years ago that I wasn't going to let the fact that some people have done it poorly uh, justify my not doing it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't mean that, that I'm always going to see the results I want to see. But um, I would rather call people to elevate their experience to the level of the New Testament rather than dr- bringing the New Testament down to the level of our experience. Um, now, does that solve all the problems? Does that resolve all the disappointment and frustration when we pray for people and nothing happens? No, no, it doesn't. But the question is, what are you going to do with that? You're going to use that to justify disobeying God's word. You know, James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. I'm going to do that. Regard If I, if I pray for a thousand people and not a soul gets healed, I'm still going to pray for the sick that they may be healed and know that it is ultimately in God's sovereign hand, his timing, his purposes as to what ultimately results. Mm, I love that. That That is very encouraging. It's a, yeah, sometimes disappointment. I've heard people say uh, disappointment is a block goal. Uh, that That's what causes despair or disappointment. You have a goal. And I, sometimes if our goal is like, you know, I want to live in the pages of, you know, Acts 28, you know, or 1 through 28, then, you know, I, I may not have exactly the same kind of apostolic power that, that Peter or Paul or others had, but yet I, I don't have to give up and I don't have to diminish. Uh, right. But let me just, let me just latch onto the word you use, goal. What, what ultimately is our goal? Mine is to be obedient to scripture. Yeah, good news. That's my goal. Uh, that's what constitutes faithfulness as far as I'm concerned. What ultimately happens in God's hands as a result of my obedience to his word, that's, that's not for me to control or decide. Uh, that's in God's hands. So my goal is to be faithful to the word of God regardless of the results. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. The... Um... You know, the I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, you know, my father he wrote the book called if, if you're familiar with the cross and the switchblade. Um, uh, my father David Wilkerson was the author of that Your book. Your father was David Wilkerson, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, I had no I idea, I don't think I ever mentioned that to you. And so, no, you know, that I, is awesome, yeah. When he, when he wrote that book, uh, originally it was it was um, it was published by a Jewish uh, group in New York City, and they loved the book, but they didn't like it. There's 13 chapters. They didn't like the 13th chapter because it was on the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, basically, I'm saying <laughs> everything I've just said in the first 12 chapters is impossible without the Holy Spirit's work to do these things. And they asked him to take that chapter out. And he said, if you don't want to publish it, don't publish it, but I'm not taking out that last chapter. And, hmm. you know, most people that have been through Teen Challenge and, uh, and or got saved through that book or got called to the ministry through that book will almost always point to me. They come up, I was in California yesterday, uh, excuse me, Sunday, and they said, uh, two or three people came up and said, I, I read your dad's book and you know, got saved through that book or I got called into the work with drug addicts mm. through that book. And, they, all, and they, oh, they, yeah. they usually point to the 13th chapter. They say, it's that chapter mm. on the Holy Spirit. I remember I got through reading that and I invited the Holy Spirit to, to fill me. You know, they, they'd been saved. So, you know, we all know that there's, the Holy Spirit resides in anybody that's, that's, that's born again. But there's this filling of the Holy Spirit that that they get, and you know your books, uh, understanding spiritual gifts and practicing the the the, the power, it really can help address that if somebody's hungry. Like like I'm talking about my spiritual hunger for for more of uh, the function of God's gifts in my life. Uh, I think those books you've written uh, really could speak to that. Uh, the first one, the, you in order, you wrote uh, practicing the power. Uh, first and then understanding spiritual gifts. Is that correct? Yeah, I wrote Practicing the Power in February of 2017. 
and it was primarily, not exclusively, but largely uh, intended for pastors to know how to implement the gifts in the life of their church. Um, understanding spiritual gifts, a comprehensive guide came out about six months later. No, excuse me, and came out in September of 2020. Uh, the Language of Heaven, my book on speaking in tongues, came out in the summer of 2020, I think, or 19. And then most recently, Understanding Spiritual Warfare, a comprehensive guide. It's kind of a sequel to the Spiritual Gifts book. They're both about 360, 370 pages. So I try to cover every conceivable topic related to these issues in those books. Wow. I, I hope that our audience uh, gets all these books. It's uh, You're an amazing writer and a great pastor. Love your love your message. I've heard you on some other podcasts being interviewed, and uh, you're bringing a great word to the church. So we're really honored that you could be with us here on our podcast today and uh, in, the, in the previous times. If you've not uh, heard the other uh, interviews we've had with, with Dr. Storms, uh, I would encourage you to go back to uh, uh, our podcast, earlier podcast, and uh, check those out, and you're going to get some really good content. And then uh, at Bridgeway Church, too, you can get his sermons. Uh, they're online there, and you, you'll, you'll hear some great stuff. We really appreciate your ministry and your message, and uh, thanks for being with us. And pray that you'll be with us again, okay? Sure. And if it, and if people would like to, they can visit my website, samstorms.org. And I actually have a podcast there in which I address a lot of these issues. Uh, they'll see the link to the podcast right there on the homepage. Virtually all my writings are there for free for people to make use of. So wow. samstorms.org. All that's, right. That's uh, available to anybody. Sam, samstorms.org. Love that. And did you, uh, did you interview Craig Keener? You mentioned him just briefly a minute ago. Have you interviewed him on your podcast? I haven't yet. Okay. No, I haven't yet. It's pretty much just me doing things like I'm doing okay. right now. Yeah. Um, but um, in fact, I'm going to see Craig uh, next Monday and um, I might even talk to him about it then. That'd be great. Well, thank you again, Dr. Storms. Appreciate you very much. My pleasure. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.